Think back, if you would, for a moment. On the last time that you were extremely sad, you just heard some bad news. Maybe you heard you were going to lose your job. A family member was going to be divorced. A girlfriend or boyfriend just broke up with you. Do you remember how you felt at that time? Just imagine being a close friend or relative or even a colleague to one of those poor Christians who've had their head beheaded by ISIS. How would you feel having heard that news? How might you respond? If you were like many, you just wanted to have time alone, just to process, reflect, pray, think through all that is happening. Our passage opens with Jesus having received terrible news. Look at verse 12. John 14, 12. And his disciples came and took the body and buried it. Then these words, and they went and told Jesus. Last week we ended with the death of John the Baptist. John the Baptist had died, but he hadn't just merely died in his sleep. He died a horrific martyr's death. He died because of his faithfulness to God and to his word. John the Baptist was beheaded. The body given to his disciples, they bury it. And they come and they bring news to Jesus that John the Baptist is dead. Now remember the relationship that John the Baptist had to Jesus. John was a colleague in ministry. John was a close friend. And remember that John is a cousin to Jesus. Our narrative takes place in conjunction with Jesus hearing the news of John's death. Notice verse 13. Now when Jesus heard this, heard this, heard the news of John the Baptist's death. All that is taking place is in the scenario of John the Baptist's death and Jesus' response to that news. The theme of this morning's message is we learn that deep compassion for others requires a willingness to postpone meeting our own legitimate needs in order to minister to other people's needs. Let me say that again. The theme this morning is we learn that deep compassion for others requires a willingness to postpone meeting our own legitimate needs in order to minister to other people's needs. The first point is that Jesus postponed the meeting of his own legitimate needs in order to meet the needs of of others. Jesus, as a result of hearing this news of the death of John the Baptist, had a need to be alone. 
Jesus' response to the death of John the Baptist was that he wanted to get away. He wanted to get away. He wanted to be alone. There are four ways in which this is emphasized in verse 13. First, Jesus withdrew, verse verse 13. Now, when Jesus heard this, he withdrew. To withdraw is more than simply to leave a certain place. It's more than just that he went away. It's not simply to absent yourself from where you are. Rather, to withdraw is to no longer to participate in an activity or an event. Think of a baseball team withdrawing from a tournament. It is to drop out. Jesus dropped out. Jesus withdrew. Jesus had a desire for the moment to stop ministering. Secondly, Jesus left the area by boat in order to distance himself from the crowds. Notice verse 13. When Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there, and now these words, in a boat. In a boat. Jesus is along the shore of Galilee. Jesus could just as easily have walked along the shore to get to where he is going. I thought about using a PowerPoint slide here, but Jesus is at the very north part of the Sea of Galilee. He actually travels a relatively short distance, and it's right at the north side it would have been just as easy, in fact, probably easier, for him to get to where he was going by simply walking along the shoreline. But instead, he chooses to get in a boat. That's why it tells us that significant factor. Number three, Jesus' intentionality went to a desolate or solitary place, a place where he was not going to encounter people. Notice verse 13. Now Jesus heard this, he withdrew, went by boat to a desolate place, an uninhabited area. He did not go to a town, he did not go to a city. He went to a desert area. Why? To be alone. Jesus wanted to be alone. Verse 13 to a desolate place by himself. Not from his disciples, at least at this point, it is clear that his disciples accompany Jesus. Rather, separation from the crowds. Separation from the crowds. Jesus had a legitimate need to be alone. There is more going on here than simply Jesus wanting to get away from it all. Jesus wasn't simply taking a sabbatical. He wasn't going on vacation. He wasn't going to just sit back and go fishing. Now, there's nothing wrong with vacations. There's nothing wrong with fishing. But that's not what he was all about. 
we find in this passage that what Jesus was doing was necessary. It was necessary for Jesus to be alone. Jesus wanted to get alone in order to pray. He needed to pray. Look at verse 23. And after he dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. He wanted to be alone to pray. To pray. If there's ever a legitimate reason to want to be alone, certainly to pray would be one of them. And I'm going to, at the end, talk about why he needed to pray. But the whole preface here is that in order for Jesus to be compassionate, he had to postpone even what was needed in order for himself in order to meet the needs of others. Number two, Jesus, proposed, Jesus postponed the meeting of his own legitimate needs in order to meet the needs of others. Jesus had compassion on those who were needy. When Jesus got to the other side of the sea, there was already a large crowd waiting for him. Look at verse 14. When he went ashore, he saw a great cloud. Crowd. That's even more clearly stated in Mark 33, 6, 33, and 34. Listen to the words of Mark. Now, many saw them going and recognized them, and they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them. So here Jesus is ministering. He wants to get away from the crowd. He wants to be alone. So he gets into a boat. And the people recognize him. The people see him. The people see him get into a boat. And he's out there on the sea. And they can see the boat. Because he's just going right along the shoreline. So what do they do? They run after him. And people from the towns start coming out because Jesus is coming. And by the time his boat gets to the shore, there's a crowd of 5,000 people there. Now just imagine, Jesus wants to be alone. And when he gets to the shore, in this desolate place, there are 5,000 plus people waiting for him. Notice his response. Verse 14. When he saw a great crowd, he had compassion on them. Notice that response. He wanted to be alone. And yet, he was not angry. He was not impatient. He didn't resent them. He wasn't bothered. He wasn't put off. He wasn't discouraged. He wasn't frustrated, but rather he had compassion on them. Even in times 
of his own sorrow and legitimate needs. He pitied them. And the compassion moved him to do something. Verse 14. And he healed their sick. One can be compassionate to a degree without doing anything at all. We can hear bad news. And we can feel sorry for people. I hope that when you heard, for example, of those individuals that were beheaded by ISIS, that it had some kind of impact on you. I hope that you had some kind of concern. I hope that it moved you at least to pray for the family members of of those individuals, praying for God's will to be accomplished, testimony to be established, safety for others. I, I pray that you just didn't allow that to roll off your back. But sometimes it's hard to know what to do. Sometimes it's difficult to know what kind of response to have. You can have a compassion that isn't particularly active, but a deep compassion is forced to do something when one is able to do it. And Jesus was able to do something, and therefore he postponed his own legitimate need of being alone and of praying in order to meet the needs of this crowd. How often are we unwilling to even inconvenience ourselves in order to meet the needs of others? So oftentimes, people's needs come at inconvenient times. We have other plans. We have other desires. We have things that we want to do. And we are reticent. We get upset. We get bothered. We feel like they're a nuisance. They're a burden. They they are a hardship in order to give up our desires, in order to minister to others. We're talking about here legitimate need to pray. And he was, postponed, he was willing to postpone that need in order to minister to them. He healed their sick. Point number three. The disciples learned that sometimes in postponing the meeting of our own needs in order to meet the needs of others, our own needs will be met. The disciples learned that sometimes in postponing the meeting of our own needs in order to meet the needs of others, our own needs will be met. The disciples saw an additional need that the crowd had in addition to being healed. They needed to eat. Look at verse 15. Now when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the day is now over. Send the crowds away. That's an imperative. That's a command. Jesus, send these people away to go into villages and buy food for themselves. A less important need, but in some ways a more pressing and urgent need, a legitimate need. These people need to eat. We are in a desolate place. There is no food here. Jesus, send them away to get something to eat. The disciples had to learn to postpone their own legitimate needs in order to meet the needs of others. The disciples had a very long and trying day. Look at verse 15. And now when it was evening, 
the disciples came. All right? They get there. They've been ministering all day, healing all of these individuals. The disciples also had a need to be comforted concerning John's death and had not been able to have any alone time with Jesus. Remember, they're all traveling by boat together away from the crowds in order to spend time alone and deal with the death of John the Baptist. The disciples must have had all kinds of questions in their mind when they heard about John dying. This wasn't just a hardship for Jesus, it was a hardship for the disciples. They wanted to be alone. They wanted to be away from the crowds. And all of a sudden, 5,000 people here needing all kinds of help and all day long they are ministering to him. So verse 15. Now when it was evening, the disciples came to him. You see, there's this big interruption. Jesus has no time for the disciples. No time to talk to them about the death of John the Baptist. No time to reassure them. No time to encourage them. No time to help them. They are busy with this crowd. Can you imagine the, uh, trying to keep order with a, with, a, with a crowd of, I keep saying 5,000, we, we think of the 5,000, but the passage is clear that that's just the men that says there's also women and children there. could have easily been a, a crowd of 12,000. Think, no police force, no barricades, people wanting their children to be healed. Chaos. And these disciples are ministering all day long. And they come to Jesus and they say, send them away. Send them away. The reason they gave was so that the people could go and buy food. Notice verse 15. This is a desolate place and the day is now over. Send the crowds away to go into the villages and buy food for themselves. Were the disciples really concerned that these people be fed? Or did the disciples just want to get rid of the throng and hide behind the excuse? Were the disciples really concerned with what they would eat and when they as disciples would eat? Perhaps the disciples' own hunger and realizing that it was a long day and a long time since they had eaten legitimately felt sorry for the crowd who'd had a long day and hadn't eaten too. I don't know. I I imagine it was a little bit of both. A little bit of both. Jesus, none of us have eaten. It's a long day. There's no food here. Send these people away. Jesus informs the disciples that the crowd does not need to go away. Look at verse 16. But Jesus said, they need, key word in this story, they need not go away. And then says this, you give them something to eat. 
You give them something to eat. In the parallel passages, we are told that this was a test. This was a test. I submit to you it was a twofold test. The first test was simply, were they willing to meet the needs of these people? Were they willing to be like Jesus? Were they willing to postpone their own needs in order to minister to others? Were they willing to continue on and keep serving? Because Jesus is going to do this miracle through his disciples. He's going to give that to them, and they then in turn feed the people. First test, are they willing to continue to minister? Are they willing to put off their own personal needs? The second test is, if in fact they are willing to feed these people, how in the world are they going to do it? The disciples ask, of course, how can they feed the people? Notice verse 17. They said to him, we have only five loaves and two fish. And he said, bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass, and taking the five loaves and two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples. The disciples gave them to the crowds, and they all ate and were satisfied. In postponing their own personal needs, the disciples in ministering to others had their own needs met. For notice, it says in verse 20, and they took up 12 baskets full of the broken pieces that were left over. In meeting the need for others having food, food was provided for the disciples as well. There's been a whole host of very imaginative and creative explanations as to why there were 12 baskets full of food left over. Some of them may have credence. Some of them may have value. These things are very, very complex. But may I just make a simple observation? Jesus is feeding the crowd through the disciples. He gives the disciples the food. The disciples, in turn, give the food to the people. How many disciples are there? Twelve. Each one's got a basket. Each one gives food to the crowd. Each one has a full basket worth of food when they're done. There's plenty of food not only for the crowd, but for the disciples. In meeting the needs of the crowd, the needs of the disciples are met. Oftentimes, when we are willing to postpone our own legitimate needs, when we have the opportunity to minister to others, our own personal needs are met. Their physical needs were met. But even more than that, their spiritual needs were met as well. 
Remember, the whole purpose was to come and be alone. Look at verse 22. Excuse me, start with verse 21. And they that had eaten were about 5,000 men besides women and children. Verse 22. And immediately Jesus commanded the disciples to get into a boat. Immediately. While he was dismissing the crowds. The disciples never did get any alone time with Jesus. They never got to ask their questions. They never had the opportunity to raise all their doubts and concerns about what happened with the death of John the Baptist. But, you see, in ministering to others, they were ministered to. Just think about the questions that they would have had for Jesus. Such questions as, number one, John the Baptist has just died. Does Jesus really care about the death of his servants? Is Jesus really concerned about his disciples? Does Jesus really have compassion? They witnessed his compassion. They saw his compassion. They experienced his compassion. Question number two. Could Jesus have done anything to save John the Baptist? How did this happen? How could this have taken place? Jesus, couldn't you have done something about this? In ministering to this crowd, the disciples learned, yes, Jesus could have done something about this. He healed the multitudes. He provided this food for perhaps as many as 12,000 people from five loaves and two fishes. In ministering to these individuals, they learned about the power of God. Why didn't Jesus deliver John the Baptist? Why did Jesus allow John the Baptist to die. We don't know. We don't know. But we learn from the disciples ministering to the crowds. Oftentimes, Jesus works in ways in which we don't understand. And ways in which our finite mind cannot get our, our minds around. They learn that his ways are above our ways, his thoughts are above our thoughts. 
though they never got to ask the questions, through their ministering of the word of God and through their ministering to others, their own personal needs were met. Fourthly, and this is just as important, fourthly, we can only postpone the meeting of our own needs for a period of time before it will be harmful to ourselves and eventually to others and the kingdom of God. We can only postpone the meeting of our own legitimate needs for a period of time before it will become harmful to ourselves and eventually others. You can't always, always postpone legitimate needs. We do have need for sleep. We do have need for food. We do have needs, and we can postpone them, but not forever. There's a very important balance in this passage between meeting the needs of others and postponing the meeting of our own personal needs. Can't put it off forever. We now come to where Jesus no longer postponed the legitimate need to be alone to pray. Jesus finally sends the disciples away so that he has time to be alone. Verse 22. And immediately he made the disciples get into a boat and go before him to the other side. Made them get into the boat. They didn't want to go. Go! It's time to go! I need to be alone. We want to stay. You got to go. Number two, Jesus finally sends the crowd away in order to get time to be alone to pray. Verse 22, immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him on the other side while he dismissed the crowds. The word dismissed here is the exact same word as the disciples used to send the crowd away. Disband them. Jesus commanded the people to leave. We're done here. Go. I need to be alone. And Jesus prayed. He needed to pray. There was a necessity for prayer. It was not a luxury. Look at verse 23. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Why did Jesus need to pray? Two reasons. First, he needed to pray for himself. We know that God the Father ministered to Jesus in Jesus' time of prayer. The Garden of Gethsemane. When he prayed and said, Father, not my will, but thine be done. And God the Father sent angels to strengthen Jesus. Jesus needed to be encouraged as he thought about his own death. As he thought about his own sacrifice on the cross. As he reflected anew into what God the Father was calling him to do. John's death was a reality to his own coming death. And he had to prepare for that death. He had to submit to the will of the Father for that death. He had to pray. He had to be strengthened. He had to be encouraged. And Jesus needed to pray for others. Jesus needed to pray for the disciples of John the Baptist. Just imagine how their life was rocked when John the Baptist 
is beheaded. Think of the gory body. Think of being handed a body that's headless. Saying, here, take this. And as they place that body in the tomb, what that must have meant for their faith. And then they're coming to Jesus to tell Jesus what has happened. And Jesus leaves them alone. They don't go with Jesus. He's in a boat with his 12 disciples. He withdraws. He needs to pray for them. Remember who John the Baptist is. It's his cousin. Jesus needs to pray for his own mother, Mary. Mary's still alive. Mary's at the cross. Mary hears that her nephew has died. Book of Luke says that Mary's heart is going to be pierced through with the things that happened to Jesus. Mary needs prayer. As she reflects on the overall picture and what God is doing and what is accomplishing. His own disciples needed prayer. He needed to pray. A legitimate need. So conclusion. First, sometimes we need to postpone our own legitimate needs in order to minister to the needs of others. Keep that in mind. Next time an occasion happens and you're inconvenienced, say to yourself, sometimes we need to minister to others, even in times of our own legitimate need. Sometimes in ministering to the needs of others, our own needs are met. In ministering to others, we are brought closer to the Lord than at first understood. Sometimes you may not feel like teaching a Sunday school class. There might be things going on in your life and Man, you're struggling. And really the last thing in the world you feel like doing is sitting down and preparing a Sunday school lesson. And then as you pour over that class, as you think about the verses, as you think about what you're going to teach, all of a sudden the Spirit of God speaks to your own heart. Sometimes it brings fresh thoughts to your own soul and you're encouraged. I can't tell you how many times I've sat around a counseling table with people. I talk to them about their marriage. I talk to them about what the Word of God has to say, about what kind of husband we're to be, what kind of wife we're to be. And as I sit there and I'm talking to others, at the same time, I'm thinking to myself, when was the last time you did that? How often do you really respond that way, that you're telling other people to do? How often it is in ministering to others we minister to ourselves. Sometimes, in failing to minister to others, we fail to be ministered unto. Thirdly, we can only postpone the meeting of our own needs for a period of time before it becomes harmful, hurtful. You can't always put other people first. Sometimes you have to tell people to leave. Sometimes you have to tell people, I just can't meet that need. People we love. Jesus with his own disciples. 
Sometimes there are other priorities. There are other things that need to be done. And if we fail to do them, we hurt ourselves, our own spiritual well-being. We hurt our family. So many godly Christian families have been ruined by overzealous ministries of which people no longer have any time for their family, no longer have, have uh, involvement with their children, and as a result, they walk away. It takes a balance. It takes wisdom. It takes discretion. We need to remember you can only postpone the legitimate needs for a period of time before it will become harmful or hurtful. And then lastly, we need great wisdom in postponing the meeting of our own needs in order to meet the needs of others. Wisdom to know when and when not to postpone meeting our own needs. Setting priorities. Establishing a proper balance. Wisdom to understand what to do to minister to the needs of others. When is God calling us to meet those needs When is God going to call others to meet those needs? And wisdom to see the multifaceted fruit in ministering to the needs of others. All four Gospels have the account of the feeding of the 5,000. All four Gospels have the account of the feeding of the 5,000. I purposefully kept to the account in Matthew. If you read the other three accounts, they all vary. Not in a difficult way to harmonize, but all three accounts emphasize something different. John chapter 6, in particular, emphasizes the uh, result all this had on the crowd. There's nothing in Matthew here about the crowd and its effect upon them. John, that's all about the crowd and the effect it has upon them. So much going on. And one of the values, you see, of just sticking to a text is to emphasize what is in that particular text. This text is about Jesus and the disciples and being alone and having compassion. May we see, as we are willing to postpone our own legitimate needs in order to meet the needs of others, may God give us the wisdom to see how he is at work. May he reveal to us his compassion, his care, his power, his love, his ability. May we see through our service the glorious God that we serve. Let's pray. Our Father, thank you for your word. Uh, Help us to be willing to postpone even our own legitimate needs in order to meet the needs of others. And give us wisdom, O God, to know when to postpone and when no longer to postpone and meet those legitimate needs. But may we also see how often it is that in meeting the legitimate needs of others, even our own 
legitimate needs are met. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.